chapter eleven of the story of the atlantic cable this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kathleen the story of the atlantic cable by sir charles bright chapter eleven the inquest the great historical sea-line having collapsed some of the foremost of the electrical profession were called in first to determine the nature of the interruption with a view to possible remedy next to elicit the cause expert opinions on the failure mr cromwell fleetwood varley the electrician to the electric telegraph company mr e b bright the chief of the magnetic company and mr w t henley the well-known telegraphed inventor were severally requested by the atlantic company to report on the subject in conjunction with sir charles bright and professor thomson first of all the deadline was subjected to a series of tests for this resistant coils and monsieur bright's apparatus for ascertaining the position of a fault were employed there was every evidence of a serious electrical leakage about three hundred miles from valentia but there did not appear to be any fracture in the conductor as exceedingly weak currents still came through fitfully according to the above location the main leak through the gutta percha envelope was in water of a depth of about two miles at that time means were not devised for grappling and lifting a cable from such depths but from independent tests by thomson and bright it appeared likely that the valentia shore end was also especially faulty accordingly it was underrun from the catamaran raft previously used in eighteen fifty seven for some three miles but on being cut at the farthest point at which it was found possible to raise the cable the fault still appeared on the seaward side the idea of repairs had therefore to be abandoned and the cable was spliced up again the conductor being again intact efforts were made to renew signals with the curb key recently invented by monsieur bright by means of this currents of opposite character were transmitted so that each signalling current was followed instantly by one of opposite polarity which neutralized by a proportionate strength and duration all that remained of its predecessor though this was the right principle on which to work the patient was too far gone and all efforts proved unavailing for signalling purposes the poor cable was defunct having dealt with the nature of the interruption we now come to the cause it was first of all abundantly clear from the station diaries kept by the electricians at valentia and newfoundland and by other irrefragable evidence that when the laying was completed and the cable ends were handed over to them from the ships on august fifth all was in good working order the authorities were unanimous in their opinion mr c f varley declared that had a more moderate power been used the cable would still have been capable of transmitting messages in giving extra force to the above opinion mr varley described an experiment he had made on the cable in conjunction with mr e b bright we attached to the cable a piece of gutta-percha covered wire 
having first made a slight incision by a needle prick in the gutta percha to let the water reach the conductor the wire was then bent so as to close up the defect the defective wire was then placed in a jar of sea-water and the latter connected with the earth after a few momentary signals had been sent from the five-foot induction coils into the cable and consequently into the test wire the intense current burst through the excessively minute perforation rapidly burning a hole nearly one-tenth of an inch in diameter afterward increased to half an inch in length when passing the current through the faulty branch only the burned gutta percha then came floating up to the surface of the water while the jar was one complete glow of light professor hughes the inventor of the type printing telegraph and subsequently of the microphone considered that the cable was injured by the induction coils and that the intense currents developed by them were strong enough to burst through gutta percha professor wheatstone gave a similar opinion some one inquired of the electrician whether if any one touched the cable at the time when the current was discharged from the induction coil he would receive a shock sufficiently strong to cause him to faint it was admitted in reply that those who touched the bare wire would suffer for their carelessness though not if discretion be exercised by grasping the gutta percha only the chairman of the company the right hon j stuart wortley m p in the course of a deputation to lord palmerston later on stated that far too high charges of electricity were forced into the conductor it was evidently thought at the time by certain electricians that you could not charge a cable of this sort too highly thus they proceeded somewhat like the man who bores a hole with a poker in a deal board it gets the hole to be sure but the board is burned in the operation professor thompson now lord kelvin writing in eighteen sixty expressed the following opinion it is quite certain that with a properly adjusted mirror galvanometer as receiving instrument at each end twenty cells of daniel's battery would have done the work required and at even a higher speed if worked by a key devised for diminishing inductive embarrassment and the writer with the knowledge derived from disastrous experience has now little doubt but that if such had been the arrangement from the beginning if no induction coils and no battery power exceeding twenty danielle cells had ever been applied to the cable since the landing of its ends imperfect as it then was it would be now in full work day and night with no prospect or probability of failure summing up the cause of the untimely ending to the ill-used cable perhaps the concisest verdict would be in mechanical engineering parlance that high-pressure steam had been got up in a low-pressure boiler End of chapter eleven